0: Oh, I thought he was all right. getting back,
1: back. Second one. Second one.
0: Welcome back everyone, episode 183 of the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast, second week of uh, international football for the Wallabies this year, and would you believe it, we're on top of the rugby ladder, rugby championship, first place, Wallabies, just how we like it. Uh, Great win by the Wallabies on the weekend, we're going to get into that detail as well as a lot of other things that are happening around Australian rugby at the moment. Uh, Joining me at the moment is uh, a couple of boys from Sydney, Hugh Cavill and Matt Rowley. Hey guys, how are you? Hugh, how are you?
1: Good, good to see, we're just getting some continuity and selections on the podcast leading into the World Cup, you know, I feel like our combinations are developing pretty nicely and uh, always good to bring in the experienced guys uh, in the big occasions, so yeah, I think we're, think we're primed, Reg.
0: Yeah, no, we're doing well, we're building slowly, uh, we've uh, rotated Sully out this week, you know, know, a lot of people don't believe in the rotation system, but we uh, feel it's needed every now and again, Matt, is that correct?
2: Yeah, mate, it's the strong bench strategy, it's working for the Wallabies, uh, it's really going to work for us.
0: I was, trying, I was trying to think of some sort of uh, a combination of Sully and your name there, Matt, but I'm not sure it's going to work. Saga?
2: We'll... <laughs> Something like that.
0: All right, but let's get to it, guys. The uh, the Wallabies, as I said, a uh, uh, big win over the uh, Argentines there over in Mendoza, 34-9. to Bonus point win, which was pretty damn important in the scheme of things, Matt. Um, you know, a, a tied at the half, but uh, a, a great result to get that bonus point.
2: Yeah, I mean... In watching the game, who saw that coming? If you'd asked me, was that going to be a bonus point blowout, I would have said, absolutely no way. It was a real arm wrestle. and Yeah, for a while there, kind of wondered if it was even going to go the wrong way when we couldn't slot a, a goal to save our life. Um, but, yeah, it came up roses in the end.
0: Yeah, Hugh, what's your reading? I, I mean, does the, the four-point bonus point, the, the late tries, uh, gloss over the cracks at all, or uh, we, uh, we should be happy with that result?
1: No, I don't, I don't think it does. Um, I, I think we should be happy with the result. I mean, any time the Wallabies win a game away from home um, these days, especially, it, it is a really good thing, and, and we should enjoy it. Um, obviously, we, we shouldn't overlook the, the issues that were raised, but the fact that we came good in the last 10 minutes and, and we um, we put the Argentinians away um, like that is, is a real positive, and it shows after what happened with South Africa that, that you know we're really coming good in, in the back ends of games, which... Um, has certainly let us down last year and um, augurs well for the World Cup. Um,
0: so coming on from last week, Matt, I mean, I, I guess the aim of the of the team should be to improve every week. I know they're trying new uh, positions and combinations and the like. Uh, what do you see, any changes that uh, pleased you from last week, any improvements or or different combinations that you were happy with?
2: Well it was a real pity about what happened with Matt Tamilla because I think yeah. we're, all, we're all looking forward to seeing what he could do and in his, in his uh, time that he had the previous week uh, made a massive difference and you know I think even to start off with we were seeing some real glimpses in this match um, and then he had to cha- and then he had to swap out I think there was, I think there was quite a few of us scratching our heads when it was Quay Cooper who mm. ran on yeah um, I mean I've had some discussions on some guys uh, in, in the comments you know, trying to make sense of it. I I would have thought I probably my expectation was Kirtley Beale would have slotted in um, with uh, you know Foley and Beale playing in those positions so regularly. But you know if you think about it, if Quaid Cooper can't back up twelve, if he's only a backup ten, it's you can't really have him on the bench. So you know really he needs to be able to slot in there. And uh, it was interesting. I, I think there's a bit of tinfoil hat going on, Jeez. saying that this was kind of sabotaging him as a selection from Coop uh, from Checker. You know, I, I think this was just Jack giving him another chance and saying, you know, here you go, get on the field. You've you've played twelve before, and you're going to have to be able to cover the position if you're going to, you know, uh, play in the in the team. So, uh, and we and we saw what what you know, we we saw him have a run. Um, it was an interesting one. I mean, you know, yet again we had some cre- you know we had some creaks in the in the in the scrum. Uh, Sully did a good piece today. Having a look at that, um, I think it, you know had a, had a bit of an impact uh, on us, uh, you know, th- throughout the match. But you know, what what a difference the, the bench made um, yet again.
0: Uh, the bench were fantastic. Well, let's go straight to it. We all normally finish the bench. Let's let's start with the bench in this situation. Um, and, and as Hugh alluded to, the impact of these guys in the last two games. And I I wrote about it in the article I wrote a couple of days ago about you know, last week they won us the game. They come on and and, and turned a uh, uh, a deficit into a win, and this week they sort of carried us forward to this important bonus point. Um, Dean Mum was a real turning point, wasn't he? That try um, that he scored was a remarkable effort, his first taste of Wallaby football for a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a... As a Tars fan, I almost feel a bit jibbed that he never did that for us in his two or three games <laughs> off the bench. I mean, was well, he saving himself for the Wallabies or what? I mean, it, it was, um, it was remarkable. I don't think anyone, even members of the mum family would have expected that in their wildest dreams. Um, you know, obviously he had, he had a case for selection, but, um, certainly I, I yeah, I don't think anyone expected that. And that was only the tip of the iceberg. He made some really good tackles. He took a really crucial pilfer um or forced a penalty late in the game. Um I mean he had a really, really great little cameo. Um as, as well as that, you know, Hooper was his was his usual self. Scotty CO and Sakopi Kepu both made a, a real difference around the park. Um you know we saw Tatafi for the first time, he was good and Kurtley Beale. Mm. I mean I I, th- I think that's the blueprint for how he might play this year, and he might have actually nailed down that 23 jersey, coming on in the late stages and just just making things happen a little bit, and um, I think that's probably the role he might be best suited for in this team.
0: Yeah, that was a nice touch uh, a nice touch by him towards the end, one of those last tries, might have be that last one. Um, Scotty Co is the name you mentioned there, and geez, I'm wrapped in him, he, he played some big games for the Brumbies earlier this year and had some injuries, but he's back now, and I think he's been fantastic off the bench. Um, a bit of concern over Slipper is his form and his health and so on. It'll be interesting to see if Scotty gets a start um, in a test this year. I guess we've only got All Blacks to go and and uh, Sully's piece in the in the uh, the site today did pick up. He did got monstered in one of those scrums at least. Um, it's great to see some of these young guys coming through, Matt
2: yeah it is it's it's it is really good and he's been building towards it uh, and he's been making this impact off the bench but I think we've all got to be a little bit worried about what's the situation with james slipper yeah. um you know we, we we're having some problems there uh on 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 his side of the scrum, and it's hard to, i don't think you can lay it all at the at the locks because um, it was the same locks who then you know did quite well actually with um with the the reserve props. So you know, some, I don't think something's quite right there. I'm, I'm hearing stories about the is he he's scheduled in for both to have both shoulders both shoulders re- yeah reconstructed. How do you yeah how do you internationally prop with the, with those sorts of problems? I didn't I you know anyway. I, I hope that's a rumor. If it's not, then you could really understand. Although it seems to be his ankle that he's kind of playing on with or something at the moment. Um, but yeah, no, it's. It, it's it's kind of hard to I'm I'm, I'm sad here trying to look back and think back over the match and think you know what was that I mean you you talked about that turning point Hugh I agree with you that was an amazing one I thought the other one was the uh, lineout steal that uh, Rob Simmons made mm, yeah when the Arge- when, when when Argentina was really set up for that lineout uh mall and I think that was going to make a massive difference to the complexion of the game complexion of the game and I don't think it was much much after that that um we went in in, in the corner. I just kind of, it, it just seemed to be that we raised the pace of the game, suddenly, and uh, you can see why with those different people coming off the bench, um, that suddenly it just all sort of clicked, and we went up a notch, and the you know, Argentinians couldn't, um, couldn't keep hold of us. Well, they could keep hold of Michael Huber, but they couldn't keep hold of... Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was an interesting well, one, because that, just leading up to Simo's steal there, was, uh, I think the penalty was for Quade, Quade's tackle, and... And the yellow card, so, but you're right, there was a distinct lift in the intensity of that team, so it once again shows that great, um, I guess, intent that uh, Chica has these guys playing with. Well,
1: well, I don't don't think we were actually that bad in the first half, first hour of the game. I think a lot of people at halftime, the reaction online seemed to be, oh, this is, you know, this is not a great game, or, you know, this is pretty low-quality stuff. I I think we were playing well, and, and... the Argentinians were playing pretty well. I mean, I don't think we could ever be expected to go in and roll over them and and start scoring tries galore. You know, we probably had a few chances we we should have taken, but um, I don't think, you know, we had um, much to worry about at halftime in terms of the way we were playing. Uh, It's just that I think we kept up our standards, and obviously with the Argentinians tiring and the subs coming on from us, which were probably a lot better than their subs, that's when we started to sort of pull ahead and, and and it became telling in the end, um, that, that we were just playing a lot better
2: so, so rich let me turn the question on you I know as our uh, queenslander on the podcast here uh, so you know a bit of more of a neutral obs- observer of of quade if, if if there's needed where, where does this get us um, on, on that front
0: yeah quade's an interesting one Matt I uh, I haven't been impressed at all I think uh, you know we all saw it last week he made no impact versus the box um, and this week I'd you know, I can only describe his performance as skittish. It was just, and I know that's a you know, a bit of a word people use from a bit, but there was no effectiveness in his play. There's a couple of pieces of brilliance, but it was not a performance. It wasn't a controlling performance we're looking for from him. Um, that'll see us through a World Cup. I, I've got real concerns over his form and... And, you know, further, because I don't think Foley's the answer to oh, Foley was solid and, you know, a couple of uh, try assists, you can't deny that. But he, again, uh, you know, that 10 position is just so important, or the 10-12 nexus is so important for a, a World Cup team. But, yeah, Quaid hasn't stuck his hands up by any means. Maybe we should be uh, p- putting him to seven's camp already.
2: Mm. It's an interesting one.
0: That whole,
2: what role does Foley need to play? Um, I I agree with you in that he hasn't done a Michael Liner sort of general uh, sort of role um, as yet but I kind of wonder in that kind of dual playmaker role that they have there, um, does that what he needs to be Uh, or is it maybe you know in the role they're looking where you've got a maybe let's say it's a Quaid let's say it's a Gitz let's say it's a a Beal outside of him you know his real role is just to keep that inside those inside um, defenders honest um, and be able to take it, you know, get the whole thing moving forward before it gets to the next guy. Uh, so I don't know. It, it, I agree with you. He, he doesn't look like the guy who, if you just had a bunch of ball runners outside of him, would then be able to sort of general around and um, a bit of and, and the sleight of hand. But, you know, maybe that's the, you know, maybe the, the role he plays is the one that can fit in. I guess the thing that I would think, Check is going to be wanting to have a look at before we get on a plane to the UK is, you know, what what more can gets do?
0: Yeah, I think that's the combination I'd like to see next. Uh, sub, you know, subject to injury is Giddo at 10 with Tamua outside him. Um, and if that doesn't work, I, I think you're right. I think Foley's probably the man. He's the man probably most assured and obviously plays that tar game plan. Um, I feel
1: like it's almost, to, to use a film analogy, you know, I, I feel like some people feel feel like we need a real 10, a you know, real leading man, Tom Cruise style, um, you know, as our 10 and Quaid Cooper's probably on his day, the closest we've got to that Tom Cruise, whereas Bernard Foley's probably, I don't know, Paul Giamatti or someone, you know, yeah. he's a solid performer, whether you can base a whole film around him is another thing entirely. Um, mm. but you know, he's never going to be that leading man, but he's, he's solid and what he does, he does pretty well. Um, you know, where Quade would get the ball and dance behind the advantage line and, and I think you know you'd often go oh well, you know he might be creating something here what's what's he got on and he jinx a bit and then against Argentina he was just getting tackled behind the advantage line and whereas Foley in that case would probably just put his head down and and, and take the tackle or you know or just put it through the hands I think he's he, he's never going to do those brilliant things but um, he's probably less prone to do some of the things that Quade was doing on Saturday
0: yeah, okay. Um, uh, agreed. The other guy that copped a bit of flack last week, I thought, bounced back with a good game uh, was Will Skelton. Uh, I, You know, he's got to be a crucial part of this team this year. Now, people are still saying he's still going to learn and he's growing, and that may be the case. But I think he's an important part of this Chica makeup. He is the aggressor, and we've talked about it for an, a number of years. You know, we want a real tough man for this team, and I think Skelton is the closest we have to that. You know, I don't want to put him on the same level as the Finnegan's and all that sort of stuff, but he's got to be the pest that the other team really get uh, arced up about, and I think that'll be an important part for us, particularly against the likes of England and Wales. And we saw it in this game, good, strong runs, some really big hits, but also, you know, I don't mind some of the more aggressive stuff, the the, uh, tackling on suspicion. Not late tackling, but uh, as the ball goes type stuff.
2: Yeah. It's an interesting one. I think we saw it you know towards the back end of this season with the Tars. They did that whole you know not taking a step backwards and it it's it's a, it's borderline, right? So there was that crazy thing that Falau did running into um whoever it was in the in goal. Um you know when that when Foley did that cross kick. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yes, yep. And we
2: we you know and you just kind of thought I wasn't quite sure what the hell that was because no. he seemed he seemed to look at the guy and then run into him. I, I don't know if it was just a bit late and slow mo made it look worse. There was that, there, and you just thought, "God, that's just brainless." And then there was, um, you know, Cooper's you know trailing arm. Mm. There was, um, you know, skeleton's kind of arm around the neck thing. Uh, you know, and, there's, and there was and there was more than that. You just thought, "Oh, guys, just brainless." You know, it was real killer stuff in that first half. But you know, I I wonder if that's the trade off with you know we've been bagging the wallabies for years about you know not having mongrel and, yeah. and and this sort of stuff and look you know it's about getting the balance right and it's about not just having cheap things that give away advantage like we did a lot but in in that first half but you know maybe there's a bit of that's what you kind of trade off if you want guys who like checks keep saying is i'm not going to take a step backwards aren't going to be intimidated um then you know you, you're going to yeah, you know, that, that, that's the sort of stuff that happens. Um, you know, melon Finnegan and all those guys—look, all the guys we look back on with memories—they used to give away penalties. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, the, you know, all the you know, uh, oh, what's his, you know, Willie Willie O and those sorts of guys, and getting Todai. in nostalgic you, know, Todd, with yeah. Trevor Brennan and those sorts of guys. You know, you know, got sent off at, at vital points of games mm. in World Cups because they were of the not taking a step back mentality and. I just, I wonder if that's what you get. You know, you get the rough of the smooth there.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, mate. I, I, and I'm, uh, I think we need it. I think the North Swallaby team has lacked it for a while and I, I'd uh, be more inclined to have it than than miss it. Um, the other big Sorry, one, just, just, yep, could we just
2: before we move on from Skelton, the, the other thing I was going to say there is, I know there's a lot of discussion going around, on around work rate. Mm. And, I mean, you, you don't put a 140 kilogram guy in for his work rate, right? No. You, 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 you know, there's that, that balance and, uh, you know, Bob Dwyer talks about it of you know you're looking for a balance in a team but, but between work rate and effectiveness and you can't make up or impact and you can't make up um, for you know impact with just work rate so you can't just have lots and lots of people with high work rate to get over the fact that you don't have anyone who can get across the gain line or make the big tackle or do those sorts of th- those effective things, and I think that's what that's exactly what skeleton's there for. Um, they're the things that you were talking about, you know, whether it's the big hit or the big carry or the big monster in a ruck. He doesn't do them in every ruck. He doesn't do them with every carry. But you know, those two carries where he was suddenly 15 meters behind, or 10, you know, five, 10 meters behind the. Argentinians, that's massive because yeah. um, you've completely split open a defense. And in test rugby, that's not an easy thing to do. There's not many people who can do that. So, you know, that's the bit where you say, oh, but he's not hitting as many rucks. Well, you know, that's what you're looking for out of your McCallmans and your Fardys and your, you know, and your Hoopers and your Pococks. They're the guys who make up on the, you know, on the um, sort of uh, work rate side. And you've got your, you know, your skeletons in there to, you know, you make the space for those guys.
0: Yep. 100% agree. We talk about uh, work right. David Pocock back at the starting team, 18 completed tackles, none missed, and a pretty handy running game as well. Hugh, good to see him back in the 7 jersey.
1: Oh, what a freak. I mean, gee, you you worry about guys out of the game for a long time, and, and Quade Cooper's one of those examples, actually. You spend a long time out of the game with injury, and some players, a lot of players, never really come back the same. But uh, that was a vintage Pocock performance, just did everything that was asked of him. His running game's really come on. He's, you know, made a a lovely steal, but just just got around and worked and made plenty of big plays. I mean, certainly uh, in those sort of tests, you wouldn't want anyone else. And, and, you know, we'll get to Michael Hooper in a bit, but uh, certainly I think Pocock might well have nailed down the jersey. It was a really convincing performance.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. The more I see of these two, and I don't know, and we may not be with Hooper for a little while, we'll see... Soon enough, uh, whether he gets suspended, but I, I can't work out what to do with these these guys. They are both sensational, and they're both absolute assets, and will be key players for the World Cup. And I just can't work out whether they're better off, as we saw in these tests, one of them starting, one of them coming off the bench, or we've got to find a place for them both in the team. Um, but they're sensational, and they they're going to do a lot for us this year. Yeah, I it, mean, it's I funny.
1: Have... I was. I was a big believer in, in in the Pooper idea um back even in the super rugby season, but I've actually changed my mind. I thought Fardy was really good and I thought McCalman was really good and I I thought they really both played their roles well and I I'm just think they're probably not just because they're uh, that Michael Hooper's a great player, but but um because Fardy and um McCalman are both really stepped up and, and if they can do that again against the All Blacks, I I don't see really the need to have Hooper on there.
2: Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting in the way that, um, I thought it played out quite well against the, uh, against Argentina, having the overlap at the end. Um, so we, we saw a bit of, um, you know, we saw some residual pooper. And, um, <laughs> I, I thought, I thought that worked, you know, really quite well, you know, upping that pace, uh, but having a more settled line out to start a game. It seems to me that if you, if your line out starts well, eventually the opposition says, oh, you know, stuff it. Yes. <laughs> we won't, we yeah. won't bother challenge you you from then on, you seem to have this sorted, we'll just look to, look to defend and do else, do, you know, do other stuff. And I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, if we can, you know, get that first half out of the way and, you know, don't crumble early in the lineouts, um, then, you know, probably we'll get away with it and we can afford to then up the pace later on. So I kind of thought it worked quite well that way. And it, it gave the, it probably gave checks a few more options from the bench as far as who, you know, or as far as game management, especially around the lineout.
0: Um, one of the other things, uh, we'll probably wrap up uh, on this test very soon, but the big concerns for the Wallabies at the moment is our goal-kicking. And, you know, we could have mentioned it around the chats with uh, at Fly Half, but I uh, uh, saw some raking today that uh, uh, one of the South African sites did uh, for goal-kickers. And Australia are dismally last in the rugby championship after the first four tests, but they talk about points gained in... Um, uh, or lost or left of the field, and, and Australia are uh, negative nine here. So, that whereas all the other teams are positive one or negative one to the Kiwis, we're negative nine. It's an algorithm between obviously kicks and missed, but also the difficulty or ease of those missed. And it's uh, again, you look at World Cups past, and a pretty handy goalkeeper is pretty, uh, pretty important. And uh, I don't know where ours is.
2: Mm, it's a shocker, isn't it? I, I think that those same sort of numbers I saw, I think we're running at 63%. Uh, I think the Kiwis at uh, about 69. Sopawanga had a shocker, absolute yeah. shocker, um, against the South Africans. Uh, and then I think the South Africans and Argentinians are up around 80% or something like yeah,
0: that. Yeah, we're 56% in fact, so yeah.
2: Are we? Oh, bloody hell. I was nine, being kind.
0: <laughs> nine from 16, it's terrible. Oh dear. Yeah. So, uh, that's it. The weekend off this week for the Wallabies before we take on the All Blacks.
2: Um, oh, but hang on, mate, you're going to talk about are the, are we coming back to the controversy here? So, oh, sorry,
0: let's go back. Yes, absolutely. Sorry.
2: Yeah, so like the, the whole Hooper, Hooper yep. gate. Yep. Um, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I must have been, I've just, I'm working on a little project here to look at some super slow mo high def yeah. of the footage. <laughs> Because um, I had a a mate of mine, um, uh, Uwa McGrath, he knows who he is. Um, He he sent me a little text and a few little screenshots. And his contention is, now he is a, a rabid Wallabies and Waratahs fan like myself. So we do wear certain glasses. But his contention is if you have a really slow look at it, does Hooper actually make contact as in punch the guy in the head? Or is it more like a really, really fast either punch or push in sort of the top of the back? And it's kind of hard to – it's very hard to see. I think we all see it's not a great angle. Um, But I've watched it a few times now. And if you approach it saying – I think because we're all told he's punched the guy in the head. Watch the video. It's not easy to see. And you just assume the guy's punched in the head. But if you watch it in slow-mo and you go at it with the point of view, well, is he actually – does he actually strike the head? And do we know for sure that it's a punch and not a, like a you know like an open arm um, yeah. slap or push? It's very hard to tell. And then the other bit is I, I need to look, watch it a few more times. But when the guy hits the ground, um, the Argentinian I think it's the nine, isn't it? Um, he doesn't grab the back of his head; he grabs his face. Oh, uh, really? So, so you know, to, which to me says, right? I'm gonna, you know. Unsurprisingly, I'm going to try and milk this. Yes. But, if, but, but if he'd been actually been belted in the back of the head, he'd be lying there with his arms over the back of his head. I think. Um, so anyway, uh, it's, it's an interesting one. I'm, I, I, I'm willing to admit I'm probably clutching at straws here, though, because um, God, if, if, he's, if he's done for belting the guy, I mean, how many weeks is that going to be?
0: Yeah, it'll be substantial. Do we know when it is? When's the hearing happening? Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, 5 yeah, p.m. Yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll know soon enough. Um, yeah, a, a couple of comments. There was a, a fair bit of niggle, and you know, I thought Falao was lucky, but God, you talk about getting a clear vision. Good luck, Matt, because I thought the broadcast uh, was terrible on the weekend. Um, it was hard to see at the best of times, so um, that may uh, challenge you. Yeah, yeah no, well, I'm, I'm
1: ho- my Go uh, well, my my opinion. I mean. I my opinion is I don't really have an opinion. I, I think the angles inconclusive. You know, I, I think it could have been a punch, it could have been a you know, a shove at the pace they were running, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of criteria that goes goes into this and and um at the moment I'd say it, it doesn't look great, but it's a really shitty angle. You're right up the, you know, it's elevated, it's above, it's not, you know, it's a bit like watching the Zapruder film of the Kennedy assassination really. I mean, <laughs> You know, did the shove come from the grassy knoll or from back, from the back, back and to the, the left? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah. I mean, the word there, there was a rumor flying around that the Wallabies had another camera angle, or there was another camera angle, um, but um, I don't know. I, especially given what Sansa judiciaries are capable of, I have absolutely no idea what's going to come back. Yeah, very bizarre. Uh,
0: well, I, I agree with
2: you, though, in the in the straw-grasping department. Like, it's, it's not great footage, and I've got my fingers crossed that we're going to get some a pleasant surprise tomorrow that I think everyone will be looking for an out for the guy, and I think they might just have it with the crappy footage.
0: <laughs> Let's hope the Wallabies have a have a have another camera shot that clears them. Can I tell you a quick story? Interject there, back to my days with the, the Reds. Back my first game uh, watching the Reds when I was working for the Reds, uh, they obviously gave the rookie a bit of a dud task. It was versus the Rebels at Suncorp Stadium. And Adam Burns, the former Red, who was a bit of a uh, a, uh, a fiery character, was playing for the Rebels. My job was just to film Adam Burns for the whole game <laughs> because the the Reds were going to niggle the hell out of him and they wanted to try and um, make sure that they, they had on footage uh, whatever um, repercussions prevailed. And, geez, I think it was a game we won by 50 points, but I Burns had the worst game ever. He was 20 metres behind every rock, and that's all I saw again through, the,
2: through a camera. <laughs> I, just... uh, so I, I follow Adam Burns. I've got a, a, a mutual friend, and, um, you know, he's from a, a big uh, legal family here in Sydney, and he's passed his bar examination. Really? And um, if you follow him on Instagram, I don't know if it's his public on Instagram or not, but um, he spends most of his time fishing in the most exotic locations. Mm. Um, top End, Lord Howe Island, stuff like this. He's, I, you know, his, he's, uh, I guess, persona was just kind of a bit of a mad, you know, a, a, a mad uh, Avenger, biting people and whatever else. But yeah, his uh, real life situation is yeah, far from that.
0: Yeah, I should say allegedly a firebrand. I'm Adam, I'm... Big fan and all that sort of stuff. So uh, yes, but uh, <laughs> let's, hope, let's hope the Wallabies had a lot of, another little intern full uh, recording that as well. All right, uh, let's a quick one, guys. Whether or not we have another podcast next week, we don't have a Wallaby game this week. But we're leading in the All Blacks from
1: the face of it. Do you give us give us a chance
0: against the All Blacks, Hugh?
1: Oh, of course I do. I, I think you look at last year's matches where we drew in Sydney and and we uh, really probably should have won in Brisbane. We we got pipped in the end, but. You'd say we're in a better position now, probably on the balance than we were then. Um, it, I think we'll probably be looking to play what, you know, we'll get a much better idea of what Michael Checker sees as our top team, and I think we'll probably get a better idea of what the All Blacks see as their top team as well. Um, should be a pretty big crowd. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know the corresponding fixture four years ago, we, we, we knocked off the, um, off the All Blacks in, in pretty good style, Um, you you never want to get too optimistic with these sort of matches. But I I certainly think we've got a a pretty big chance. No Radiki Samo this time, so I'm not sure who's (laughs) going to have to run the length of the field. (laughs) Matt, what do you reckon?
2: Yeah, it's... it's, Who knows, eh? Who knows? We we tend to do a bit better at home. um, uh, Yeah, I've got... I think we've all got concerns around that scrum. All Black scrum's been looking pretty good. But I I say that, then I, I watched you know, Woodcock get, you know, start yep. off and he's never filled me with fear and nope. he got replaced by, um, oh, what's his name? The guy scrum sideways the whole time. Uh, oh, he's, he's a penalty magnet for them. Uh, White Crockett. Yeah. And that's his replacement. So if that's their, if, that, yeah. if they're there, you know, starting or their first choice, uh, loose heads, then I, I'm not feeling, you know, too wobbly. Um, you know, It'll be interesting to see. They are playing damn well. I, what I think we saw, and I think the commentators talked about it a bit, was a little bit more game management from the Wallabies. Uh, you know, Kafe was talking about that whole managing the middle of the field. Um, so, you know, there's there's your exits out of your 22. There's what do you do when you're down there half. But it's kind of when you're in that space in between, you know, what do you do? And for the Waratahs, it had been, well, we just run it from anywhere. Um, and we don't have any sort of kicking. Uh, and I think what we saw from the Wallabies was that they're willing to use contestable uh, kicks, box kicks, and cross-field kicks a little bit more. And so it'll be interesting to see if they, if they use those. I, I think that would be wise because, you know, the All Blacks just love living off turnover ball um, and, and letting you run yourself out. And I think if we can turn them around a bit, maybe even put a bit of pressure on their line out, um, you know, just play a bit more cleverly. Um, then uh, you never know what could happen. I think also, you know, the the All Blacks, like a lot of the Kiwis, tend to like doing that sort of uh, drift defence. And, you know, that could really suit us with some of our bigger runners. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we've seen, you know, the Waratahs kind of use that. uh, And the Reds at times, you know, against some of those Kiwi teams, so like the Crusaders. um, And that can really work in our favour. So, anyway, here's here's hoping.
0: Yeah, I I hope so too. Look, I think... um, It'll definitely be uh, a wonderful battle, and, and we saw the All Blacks have their own sort of comeback win versus the Boxer with uh, a late try. Uh, you know, we know we're not going to run over them at the end. It'll be a greater challenge uh, towards the end of the game, but uh, I can't wait. That'll be an absolute epic uh, encounter down there, and, and I'm feeling as confident as I ever had have before uh, All Black game, which is probably just blind patriotism. So, um,
2: <laughs> well, winner takes all, right?
0: Exactly, exactly right. Oh, uh, yeah. we got one more. Oh, but for the for the
2: uh, for the rugby championship, rugby championship, yeah, it's
0: exactly right.
2: Yeah, for a bit of silverware.
0: Yeah, we'll take anything we can get. Yes. Um. All right, that wraps up the the Wallabies for the time being, guys. I just want to touch on. There's a bit of uh, news around the traps from uh, Australian rugby. There's uh, uh, some interesting elements. Firstly, this week, and it's a curious one, is uh, NRC related. Um, the Wallabies have been assigned to clubs. Um, uh, which they'll sort of uh, effectively represent. I don't think many of them will actually get any games. Um, I, have you guys had a look at this at all?
2: Yeah, I mean, I saw the uh, I saw the article, uh, you know, on on, on the front yeah. page. But I kind of had the same as yeah. I looked over those. Just I thought, oh god, how many how many games <laughs> do they possibly get? Um, yeah, I'm not really it, sure. About that.
0: It's, it's interesting because you know some of the names. I mean, Ben Robinson's still on the list. And, and Kyle Godwin and Tom English as, you know, players assigned with clubs, uh, Wallabies assigned with clubs. So it's, um, you know, good for them for promoting and so on, I guess, and, and I guess those guys get plenty of games with their respective clubs, but um, unfortunately beyond that, we're not going to... I don't think we're going to see them much, other than, you know, it was some good promotion to see them actually wearing their NRC jerseys uh, in, the, in that uh, little bit of stuff that the A U did, so we'll see what goes on. Hugh, anything... From your perspective,
1: oh, I mean look it, it's a good idea to probably get a bit of publicity for the tournament and get get some faces on you know out there and blokes that are pretty recognizable uh in the jerseys, but really, I mean they, they're not going to be playing you know they're not going to be playing any games, so mm. it's it's you know except in a few, one or two cases, it's a fairly pointless exercise yep um we'd prefer to
0: see the final teams, which we should hear. I think they're all due in, this time next week. We should have all the NRC teams. In fact, I think perhaps the um, the Rays might have already named their teams. So uh, their squad is the first squad in the NRC. So uh, we'll be covering that intently, and uh, you'll see it all on greenandgoldrugby.com. Uh, also announced this week was the uh, the rest of our 2016 domestic a Wallaby schedule. You see, this guy. So the Rugby Championship. The uh, Wallabies will taking on the Kiwis uh, at ANZ Stadium uh, next year. Uh, will Brisbane gets to host South Africa again, and Perth gets to host Argentina. With uh, Perth also confirmed as a 2017 Test venue when they take on South Africa. So that rounds out our domestic season with a uh, three Test series against the Poms. You know this rugby championship. It just—it's you know maybe it's just because Brisbane have got South Africa again. It's just seeming a little bit same I don't know. Something something needs to happen to reinvigorate it. Maybe a, a successful Wallaby team.
1: Well, I think a lot of it comes back to the fact that um, New South Wales government signed a ten-year deal, uh, of which we're only into year four uh, at the moment, and so it's sort of uh, unless you know it's those alternating years where we get a second Bledisloe that it's all pretty much a lay down as to how it's got to be that the box are got to go up to Brisbane and, and, and then the Argies will probably go to Perth or to Melbourne on alternate between the two. I mean, I think that probably reflects on the area that it probably wasn't prudent that to sign such a long deal. But then again, you know, when the money's on the table like that, it's, it's hard to turn it down. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so that's next
1: year. Also announced,
0: which I thought was really interesting, is and a an sign on the back of recent announcements that you uh, somewhat scooped for us last week. You, uh, Henry Spites, uh signing with the Aussie Sevens team, at least at least partially, and and on the back of Quade Cooper's potential imminent signing as well. Is is this intent by Australian rugby to really uh, go for broke with the Olympics next year? And they've they've announced a, a fairly extensive. Um, Rest of the season campaign to to you know book that spot to Rio and that involves there's got to be a, I assume as a curtain raiser to that uh, Lake Cup match the Aussie sevens team will take on the Japan Jap- uh, Japanese sevens team I assume the national team in an exhibition match which would be great it's a great profile there um, then uh, uh, there'll be a six match se- series in Rotorua between New Zealand and Australia. Uh, from the 12th to the 14th of September, which is great. So, uh, whether that gets broadcast, I don't know. But, uh, you know, a great preparation for our Aussie team to play that Kiwis uh, over six match series. Uh, the Wallabies are confirmed, or at least the Aussie Sevens teams will be confirmed playing in the Central Coast Sevens uh, in late October before the actual Oceania Olympic qualifier, qualifier tournament in Auckland uh, in the 14th of November. So, um, it's all guns blazing, Hugh, as it should be.
1: And yeah, we really need it too. I mean, I, I if if I was someone you know really um, involved in the sevens, it'd be keeping me up at night. The prospect of us missing qualification for the Olympics because it is a real possibility, um, having to come down to to a one-off game against possibly Samoa mm. um, in the Oceania qualifier. Well, you know, if anyone that's watched any number of any sevens knows that the bounce of the ball can go way in a sevens game, and and you can you can have no comfort in knowing that we'd get through that and so then if we don't win that we have to go to a reprochage which on paper should be easy easier and we might only have to beat france but again comes back to one or two games and that bounce of the ball you know we'd have to be unlucky to miss out but yeah it, it, it's not exactly comforting so i'm i'm pleased that they've made these um decisions to get involved especially in those tournaments like central coast which is um Really growing in popularity, and they've attracted teams from all over the world this year. So that's looking like being a great event as well.
0: Yeah, it's about as extensive a sevens preparation program as I've seen for quite some time. So that's great. Matt, what's your perspective on sevens? Matt, you're looking forward to its uh, increased exposure?
2: Yeah, I am, and I, I I saw with interest actually. I think Alan Jones was making a point. Now I usually just ignore whatever <laughs> comes from Alan Jones, but his point was uh, I think it was about you know should we be thinking a bit further afield as, you know, getting a few mongos involved. Um, you know, just any, are there any top talent that we should be thinking about? And, you know, one side of me, I, I'm interested to hear what you guys think. I mean, one, one part of me just says, you know, stuff that we don't want to be, um, you know, we don't want to be using our pathways, rugby pathways for mongos But another part of me says, well, you know what, if it, if it got more people interested in watching our sort of game, um they are you know they do tend to fit sevens quite well if you get the right player um you, you know I guess you could imagine a Thurston or someone like that involved um or maybe you know maybe in English I don't know how that could even be made to happen though with you know the, the different professions I'm not sure but you know the lure of a gold medal I guess um but you know we could definitely put something out there and you know maybe kind of make rugby um, you know a little bit more relevant again is it would be the argument for it
0: yeah, I think that, uh, you know. I think those discussions were alluded to previously about the potential of of, of snagging a few of those. I, I don't know whether Geraint John, the coach of the Aussie Sevens team, um, sort of put a halt on them. I mean, they've already talked about the commitment he expects of the Wallaby players, mm-hmm. although that's somewhat circumvented by Spate. I guess, given his history, but God, you know, however much I'd love to see Thurston or Inglis in that team, uh, I think. Um, uh, just the fact that the, from a completely different background would mean that's that's very unlikely but it'd be sensational and you've got to think that have an interest in it too you know the chance to go to Rio and uh, have a shot at Olympic gold medal would be amazing yeah I mean I, I, I've got to say you, you think oh there's no way they
2: could do it but um back in the UK I mean it was it was quite a few years it was, I think it was in the 90s um, and the Middlesex sevens used to be the big. Uh, sevens tournament uh, yeah. on the international circuit, even before it all kind of went, you know, you know international and, yeah. and 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 um, and they did a thing where Wigan, you know, which was the big, or was it Wigan or St Helens? I think it was Wigan. Oh, it might have been both of them actually. Started putting teams in, yeah, to right, to the sevens, and they cleaned up, yeah, absolutely cleaned up because it was just big, strong guys, fit, um, you know, good catch and pass. You know, good ability, you know, good ability to chip and chase. Um, yeah, they're a little bit ropey in, in the in the ball retention and, and that sort of stuff, but they manage their way through. Um, you know, so the game was all a bit different back then, um, and in those guys, you know, the, the difference is, is less now. But, um, I don't know, some of those pure skills... It shows, it shows off those pure skills a bit more, I think.
0: It's, it's really interesting you say that, and you jog my memory. Back in 2002, I think it was, when Ballymore hosted the Sevens, the mm. first time they did, it was Matty Rogers and Wendell Saylor played for the Aussie team. Um, and that was, I believe, their first rugby experience, obviously putting um, a bit of Matty's uh, schoolboy experience aside. But uh, the Dell and, and Rogers' first rugby experience was playing in that team, captained by Richard Graham, which we won that tournament. I remember I was there for every, both days. It was sensational. And uh, Wendell was, as you'd expect, he was pretty dynamic and... And made some good breaks. It struggled. Rogers was just a freak. He was a natural and and tore it up. And then I think the next year, two thousand three, Lottie uh, played as um. well. Um, and that was a, a wet weekend. He, he he was. I don't think he was a, as proficient as as Matty Rogers. But uh, it's a valid point. And just yeah, recalling that, maybe maybe there is more merit in it than I've given it.
1: Mm. I, I think I think it comes back to logistics. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, on paper, that it'd be great to see a lot of these guys but um, the fact is the money's not there and and um, to really be enough to lure these blokes away from, from whatever their current teams are. and The really glory have of to playing for Manly. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> but, you
1: uh, know, I mean, uh, unfortunately we, we're not awash with cash to offer these guys any sort of a wage. Um, it seems to play sevens. I, I think it might be something at the next Olympics that's probably a bit more yeah. realistic once everyone sits back and sees what a big deal it's going to be. Um, you know, with the eyes of the world and the experience of the Athletes' Village and the opening ceremony and all that comes home to roost and I think you'll have a few more players putting their hand up in four years' time um, because at the moment I think it's still a bit of a hypothetical.
0: Yep. Can you
2: imagine the carnage the leagues the Mungos kick it up to in the Olympics? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's what I mean. Wouldn't they prefer to go to Rio then? what's 220, Tokyo? Uh, you know, they, they would... Yeah, you know, Ria re- is the one you want to go to. Oh
1: yeah. Well, don't so, don't sell our boys short. I seem to remember an incident at the Commonwealth Games where there was washing machines thrown out a window, or <laughs> there was some significant damage done by our yeah, yeah, yeah. our <laughs> sevens team. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, guys, let's go to the other end of the uh, spectrum. We've talked about those uh, high falutin leaguers. I want to talk genuine grassroots here. It is finals footy time in club land, and uh, I love this time of year. I really do. Brisbane Club Rugby or Queensland Premier Rugby Grand Final this weekend. Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock kickoff at Ballymore. This is going to be epic. They have, uh, they've Worked this out perfectly. So Souths will be taking on East in the grand final. Souths uh, scored an amazing last minute win. Oh, not even last minute. After the Soren win uh, against UQ, University of Queensland, who won the premiership last year. Uh, this just happened on Sunday afternoon. And so they go through and, and take East. So this is a, a true suburban grand final. Um, and uh, I think uh, it, it's got to be epic. They're, they've both got um, massive junior teams, uh, clubs, so the crowd should be pushing. You know, we had a great grand final a couple of years ago, East versus Jeeps, and that was 8,000. I reckon this will be the same, if not more. So given the nice weather and, and, and the, the back-to-Ballymore nature, this will be fantastic. South's a, a real surprise packet. They've um, they've struggled. I mean, I don't know if you guys can recall, but back in the sort of from the mid-'80s when Horn and Little and, and those guys came onto the scene and there was Dan Crowley and Troy Coker and Brett Robinson and and, uh, Damien Smith and all these guys, Brett Johnson. It was an amazing team. And Souths uh, played in 13 grand finals over 15 years and and won a high number of them. Um, They were really, the I guess they were Randrick of the time um, and probably more like the Sydney Uni of late. But since 2000, uh, I think they only played maybe in 2009, so just one grand final since. So this will be their first grand final since 2009. Um, they really struggled in recent years, had a bit of an increase last year, but some change of the coaches this year. And they don't have any particularly big-name players. Christopher A.S. is... The only red, Bo Robertson plays for them, but Bo's unsighted at the moment. I'm assuming he's injured. But Christopher Sortier is the only red in the starting team, I'm trying to think. Um, but the rest of them are, are, are just um, very, very good club players, and, and hopefully we'll see a few of them in the NRC coming forward. East, on the other hand, uh, not riddled with stars, but they definitely have a few. They've got Andrew Reddy, the, the Reds' backup hooker. Eddie Quirk will be playing in the back row for sure. Um, and uh, Lockie Turner will be playing on the wing, assuming he's fit. Uh, but a lot of very uh, dominant club players there, uh, Jack Mullins and Matt Brandon, the centres, and the centre combination, Matt Gordon and, and Toby White, and... Um, Again, I, I reckon we'll see in the NRC. The battle of the fullbacks will be ma- massive. Elliot Hagen for the for the Tigers, East Tigers versus Muirhead for the um, for South. They've torn it up this year. They've been fantastic counter attackers, and, and this will be a, a wonderful game. And and for all those uh, wishing to experience it, uh, Reds will be live streaming, and yours truly will be a commentator. So looking forward to that. But it'll be a um, uh, club rugby, Ballymore, Grand Final. It should be sensational. Um, Hugh, New South Wales uh, started to heat up as well. Finals footy,
1: yeah. First week of finals coming up this week. Um, it's a bit of a, I'd almost say three tier, um, uh, comp at the moment in in Sydney in terms of the the top six anyway. With with uh, Manly and Eastwood uh, being up the top, Manly taking minor premiership uh, honors, but uh, only just over Eastwood, and and then you've got sort of South in third who are probably in a bit of a, a tier of their own at the moment. And then you've got the, the three teams making up the finals who were who pretty close to one another, being Sydney Uni in fourth and then Warringah and, and Ranwick um, in fifth and sixth. Uh, so it's a it's a pretty standard final series from here with 1v6 and 2v5 and, and then 3 and three and four. So you'd expect the big games to be South and Sydney Uni, um, but then also uh, Warringah against uh, Eastwood, and Ranwick against Manly, uh, off, I believe, off the top of my head. So it, yep. it's, um, it's, it's really shaping up quite quite well, and, and you'd probably expect to see a Manly-Eastwood final, given they're the two outstanding teams of the year. But um, strange things happen sometimes, and especially with a team like Sydney Uni, that are just lurking around with, with a few of their, their uh, more established players coming back, as well as Eastwood as well. Um, Eastwood have, have quite a big, big Waratah contingent coming back too, so um, as well as Souths who who uh, played in the grand final last year, so you can you can't um, count them out either. So look, it's going to be a, a great uh, few weeks ahead of us for Shoot Shield fans.
0: So it's interesting. So you've got still got another three weeks of finals. That's correct. This is your first. Oh first. yeah, it's
1: only only starting up down here. I'll tell you so, what, um,
0: so, which is great. Finals footage is fantastic, but it, it means it's going to be a pretty quick turnaround to the NRC, which is what Brisbane had last year. Whereas this is our final this weekend. We're going to. Our uh, Queensland Country and Brisbane City are going to have a good three or four weeks together, hopefully.
1: Yeah, look, and and to be honest, there are some issues percolating in, in Sydney clubway and around the NRC in terms yeah. of um, still some residual issues from last year that are going to be steady in this year as well about how contracted players uh, are kept in their super rugby team. So with the Rising and the Spirit uh, yes. uh, being the two main examples of that and how Uh, Sydney teams are seen as being a little bit devoid of talent and uh, and, um, certainly the Rays named a squad uh, this week that looked on paper as being pretty light Mm -hmm. on uh, talent and I think even without a tight head prop off the top of my head. Yeah, I remember um, that team
0: list It said three props to be added and I think actually... Uh, the South starting tight head prop this weekend in Brisbane, David Fayo, who played for Brisbane City last year and was very dominant, uh, you know, in rotation with some of these other young props he had, Sam Tlarki and so on, is being headhunted by uh, a couple of those Sydney clubs and the Rays might be one of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, the comp's going to go on as, you know, as it was last year this year, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it tinkered with a bit next year, either in terms of the number of Sydney teams and and their locations or or indeed how... The contracted players are whether the contracted players are kept at their super teams or uh, they're allowed to be released back, uh, maybe to where they play their club rugby, or certainly a few of them. Um, But anyway, that's probably a discussion for another day, but something to watch going forward.
0: Yep, okay. And then also, ACT, uh, Steve wanted me to uh, mention so it's a prelim final this weekend in first grade between Queen Bean and the Royals. And the widow that will play Tuggerong Vikings next week in the grand final. Obviously, the Vikings are uh, a real force down there. So uh, I'm sure it's heating up all across Australia in club rugby, and we wish everyone the best of luck. Uh, lads, I think that should pretty much wrap
1: us up. One more story. Just broken oh, yeah. on Twitter, Reg, uh, in the last hour. Rumoured Waratah signing for oh. next year being um, Zach Guildford, yes. um, former troubled uh, winger from the Crusaders... Uh, known for getting drunk and shirtless and decking a pensioner on on a Pacific island at some point, I believe um, so that could be a really interesting one to watch going forward because um, could be some fireworks
0: <laughs> and he 's the the marquee player replacing Jacques potgetter so it's, uh, it's uh, the, the onus is on him to perform it 's a big one the, the new new Cesiniiansi.
1: <laughs> yeah well happen. we can only hope we can only hope he can fill the and Isi's large shoes <laughs>
0: <laughs> alright with that Hugh we're going to wrap it up guys uh, a wallaby free weekend so get out and get to those finals footy we talked about grassroots rugby at its finest um, really enjoy it Matt thanks for your time tonight thanks for having me on mate Hugo you too
1: yep rest
0: and uh, rest we got a week was so. can't wait Yes, exactly right. And all our listeners, thanks again. We'll speak to you soon. See you guys. Yeah, right there, right there.